Hi, I'm Richard Evans from EMC Arts. Here on the Arts Forward podcast, we explore the challenges facing the arts sector right now to do things differently, to do things they've never done before. Each month, we look at stories of experimentation and success from innovative arts organisations across the country. Today, we're exploring how to create artist residencies that are the most rewarding for the artist, the presenter and the public. I'm pleased to welcome two guests who have some terrific experience in this area. Jean Davidson is Chief Executive Officer of New York Live Arts, and Marlene Ramirez-Cancio is the Associate Director of Arts and Media at the Hemispheric Institute of Performance and Politics. Welcome and hello to you both. Hi, hello, Richard. Richard. Nice to be here. Jean, let's start with you. The Artist Residency Programme at New York Live Arts is geared towards artists who are in mid-career. Why is that? What challenges do they face in particular? Yeah, that's a really good question. There are a growing number of choreographers who have really reached the peak of their career. They're very established, and there's a generation of artists who are starting to pass away or retire. And um, what we started seeing, especially coming out of the economic downturn that started in 2008-2009, uh, was mid-career artists were not breaking into the marketplace. And this was an area that we identified as an area that was really in need of a lot more resources. And we felt that having the experience of a producing organization, like we know how to produce the work of Bill T. Jones and bring it to market. And then DTW's legacy of being able to identify emerging artists uh, before they've hit escape velocity, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, we thought that we could come together and do something to help further the field in that way. And that was the birth of the Resident Commissioned Artist Program. That's terrific. Let me turn to Marlene for a moment, if I may, uh, for a, a very different approach to artist residencies. The Hemispheric Institute has focused its artist residency program on presenting politically minded artists in New York and connecting them with local scholars and activists. Why is that important? Well, the artists that we've been working with focus mostly on political performance, art that uh, seeks to be a vehicle for social change. That's just our interest and our focus. Um, And in terms of connecting them with uh, other artists, academics, and activists, it's just been a really fruitful way of getting artists in their research phase, the development phase where they are creating new artwork and forwarding their own research, their own thinking as they produce the work uh, in our joint residencies, which is important to mention. Uh, we give them research space, space to network with other thinkers, other makers, and they get their rehearsal and presenting space at different venues in the city. And you call them joint residencies because there's more than one at once? Is that the point? There are two residencies per year, and they are joint because it is not Hemispheric Institute alone. It is with another presenting institution. So it is uh, Dixon Place, Brooklyn Arts Exchange, Bronx Academy of Arts and Dance, and here. So you've got these sort of multi-sided hosts for the residency to provide a rich environment for Absolutely. your performance artists. Absolutely. Yes? Yeah, it's been a great success in that sense. Now, your first one was Dan Fishbeck. Tell us about the work with Dan and, and what you've been doing with him. So our work with Dan, uh, he came to us via Brooklyn Arts Exchange. He was already an, an artist in residence there, so we joined up with them. Uh, and he was doing uh, workshops on queer performance over at uh, Bax. 
And with us, he started a series of conversations. So he did a long table on what does queer performance want? And it was packed and incredibly full of uh, people that were really interested in this in this question. He also did a brilliant artist talk on uh, the need for historical memory when it comes to queer communities. And he always tells us, you know, we have to take an example from the Jewish people and how every year ritually the histories are told and so people feel like they always already belong. So that, with especially with the disappeared generation of the AIDS crisis and the elders being in a lot of ways gone, or some of them, uh, having that continuity with the, and with the intergenerational uh, queer performers, the younger and the older generations, I guess a little bit to what you were talking about, that, that gap between the older generations and people who are starting out or are mid-career now. Yes. So he was doing both of the things, and then he presented at Dixon Place uh, a musical called The Material World. So that was That was a new work that mm. he created? That was a new work he created, yeah. Right, right. That's great. Let's turn back to Jean for the experience of the residency program as you've gotten going on this. Your, your first residency was with dancer and choreographer Yasuko Yokoshi, with whom I had the great pleasure of working because she was part of the HERE team in our lab. So I got to know her work a bit. Uh, tell me about what New York Live Arts brought to the table for, for Yasuko and how, how you worked with her. Yeah, um, Yasuko is one of the examples of an artist who was about ready to quit. And in fact, when uh, Carla Peterson approached her to offer her the opportunity, she didn't believe Carla. That's <laughs> Carla, your artistic Carla, director. Carla uh, Peterson, who is the artistic director of yes. New York Live Arts. And um, Carla actually had to meet with her several times to convince her that it was real. <laughs> and, um, and then I think she was very concerned how the rest of the dance community would perceive it. Uh, that she would be getting. It's a it's a pretty substantial award. It's a $280,000 award. Is so that a cash award or is that the combination of resources and opportunities? It's a combination. Yeah. So we provide full salary and health care benefits. Thinking for, for what length of time? For two years. For two years, right. And we provide them with basically the first year is research and development and then the second year is a full production. And so in Yasuko's case, when she finally accepted... Uh, her work, she was very interested in continuing to explore work that she had started with a kabuki master named uh, Sayama-san uh, in Tokyo. During the first year of research and development, we uh, funded and arranged all the lo travel logistics and visas for several research trips to Tokyo where she was in residence uh, working with Sayama-san and several kabuki actors from the National Kabuki Theater in Tokyo, which is the uh, kind of preeminent national kabuki theater of, of Japan. Um, and over the course of the two years, similarly to you, we also had some residency partners at the university level that the NEA supported in addition to the other support. So one of the residencies was at the University of Chicago, and then this other residency was at Arizona State University. And I think the value in that for an artist is to have an audience early in the process. You can solicit feedback and input from people while you still have time to make changes to well, the Well, you're work. still on the creative journey before you've got the final Exactly, work, yes. exactly. It's interesting comparing that with Marlene, what you were saying about your own residencies, because there's also this, it seems like, a rhythm of research work over a period of time before there's production. Is it over a similar length of time? It's very long, two years at... We, we do a one-year residency um, with uh, two artists per year. 
Um, and we are, I mean, just hearing your your experience, we're a very small institute. Uh, our network is vast in terms of participation and all that, but in terms of our, the institute is small with a small budget. So our residency is nowhere near $280,000. <laughs> It's like $2,000 a year. So we provide uh, really space and contacts for artists to think and do research. Yes. Um, so that's really in over a year. But we tend to maintain what we've learned now after two years is we do maintain strong relationships with them over the forever afterwards. Or, you know, it's seeming that way, like it's going in that direction. I would caution not to put a value on our two artist residency programs based on the amount of money our award comes with. Because I think... Um, One of the distinct things about our resident commission artist program is that we're really trying to find the person who is really um, ready for the next step, but if they don't get support at the critical moment, it may not happen. Because I think the kind of support that you're offering is critical artist development, and it happens at different times in people's careers, and it needs to happen that kind of residency opportunity needs to happen for artists at every stage of their career, even after they're already established, because it provides like space for ideas to really be hammered through and explored and uh, time for failure and, and risk, and that's really important. Um, I would say that's one of the dimensions of our program, though, that is a little bit different in that we, we actually do have an expectation that this person is going to succeed. Um, and there's always artistic risk, but there is an expectation that the person is committed themselves to making this their career and using every opportunity we're giving them to launch. What is it you think that makes your approach to the artist residency so particularly different? Is there anything we haven't covered? I mean, are there, for either of you, other things that strike you as particularly different in the way that you, you, you do this? Well, I don't know how other people necessarily I haven't done research around all the different residency, but something that that's happening now that we are learning is when the artist has agency to propose their own initiative and we are able to weave uh, collaborations with other institutions and th that cross-institution collaboration beyond the work, beyond their particular performance, um, they are able to, you know, not change the world, perhaps that's exaggerated, but to, to have more of an impact in terms of, no, I really want to do this. And uh, through, of course, their artistic voice and their presentations and their performance work. But the beautiful thing with both Dan and our this year's uh, artist in residence, Paloma McGregor, who created her own uh, dance and politics Uh, work group uh, is they've created their own communities around their particular interests and so for me something that's been great in pushing us to innovation has been their taking their own passions and community building efforts very seriously and being able to support that That's terrific. That's marvelous. What about from your perspective, Jean? That's interesting. I, it's a. I, I feel a little shamed because I think we're a little <laughs> like you have kind of. It sounds very grassroots and from the artist, and um, I think we are some of that. But I think one of the things that makes our program a little different is recognizing that uh, uh, many artists don't have their own five hundred one c three organizations, and they simply can't afford mm -hmm. to hire staff. 
And as a result, a choreographer is burdened with trying to be the artistic genius and then also the business genius. And that's really a challenging feat. To, and it's kind of not fair to expect an artist to be the educator, the finance person, the publicist, the fundraiser. I mean, it's, it's too much. And what can we do to help? Jean Davidson is the chief executive officer of New York Live Arts and Marlin Ramirez-Cancio is Associate Director of Arts and Media at the Hemispheric Institute of Performance and Politics. Thanks to you both for joining me. Thank you, Thank you ha- Richard. Thank you for having us. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for listening. This is the monthly Arts Forward podcast. You can check out more on our website that features multimedia profiles of innovative organizations, a blog and this podcast series, as well as much more at www.artsforward.org. That's A-R-T-S-F-W-D dot O-R-G. I'm Richard Evans of EMC Arts in New York.